Hallelujah. I want to welcome our viewing audience into the service. <laughs> I hope you've been watching it all, praise God, and I hope that same anointing has come into your living room, your bedroom, your car, wherever it is you're watching this service, and people watching all over the world. And I want to welcome our television broadcast, our, our viewing audience from our television broadcast. And I'm going to continue speaking on the prophetic word the Lord's given me. So I guess you would call this part two. <laughs> I want to read that word once again. Now, prior to this, earlier in October, when I went before the Lord asking him about what he wanted me to focus on in 2018, he said, I want you to keep preaching, teaching, and emphasizing faithfulness and that the faithful shall flourish just as you did in 2016. And then I flew to Alabama to do a meeting on October the 27th. And uh, while I was in my hotel room preparing for that service, the Lord said this, these are indeed the days of my greater glory, saith the Lord. I will cause it to manifest for all who have remained faithful to me and faithful to my word. And I will cause them to flourish and to abound even as I have promised them in my word. I will honor their loyalty to me by enabling them to overcome every attack of the evil one. Somebody shout every attack. Every attack. Not just a few, but every attack. every attack. I will enable them to overcome every attack of the evil one. And I will bring them into greater or the greatest breakthroughs that they have experienced thus far. Rest assured that I'm working in their behalf even now. And they shall triumph and they shall be victorious. And all shall see that I am still the God of the breakthrough and I'm still the God who keeps covenant. So lift up your hands and lift up your voices and praise your God. The God who is unlike any other. The God who blesses all those who have been loyal and faithful to him, saith the Lord. Hallelujah. So let's do it again. Lift up our hands and lift up our voices and praise the God who is still the God of the breakthrough. Say, my God is still the God of the breakthrough. Hallelujah. So the Lord said to me that 2018 will be days of glory, days of flourishing, and days of abounding. Have we got it up there? Praise God. So get that into your spirit. Have we printed this yet so everybody can have a copy of it? If not, it's, we're working on it. Praise God. Few Christians realize that God has always been committed to bringing goodness, joy, happiness, prosperity, and health to his people. That was the primary reason why he sent his son to shed his blood and to die the death of the cross. One of the most famous scriptures in the Bible, you learned it as a child. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Later, this same John wrote, in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 9. In this was manifested the love of God toward us. In what Jesus did at Calvary, it was God manifesting his love toward us. 
because that God sent his only son, or his only begotten son, into the world that we might live through him. Now, prior to Jesus going to the cross, as you well know, mankind was under the dominion of Satan. And that was certainly not the way that God had intended for man to live. John also wrote in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8, For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Amen. That's the reason he came. Out of love and for the purpose of destroying the works of the devil in our lives. We don't have to be under Satan's dominion any longer. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Look at somebody say, and thank God I'm free. That's what being redeemed is all about. He paid the price for our redemption through his shed blood. We're no longer under Satan's control. Now go with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, one of the great letters in the Bible regarding what Jesus did at Calvary, what he did in our behalf, the love that he displayed and demonstrated in our behalf. Verse 1 says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. The Amplified Bible says, And you he made alive. I'm not spiritually dead anymore. I said, I'm not spiritually dead anymore. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. I'm free. I'm free and I'm alive. Hallelujah. Praise God. Not just physically, but I'm alive in my spirit. Hallelujah. Praise God. Verse 2 says, wherein in times past... You walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. The Amplified Bible says you were under the control of the demon spirit that still constantly works in the sons of disobedience. Verses 4 and 5 say, But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he saved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved. And the Amplified says, But God, listen to this statement, in order to satisfy the great and wonderful and intense love which he loved us, with which he loved us. The great, the wonderful, and the intense love with which he loved us. He made us alive together in fellowship and in union with Christ. Did you catch that phrase? In order to satisfy the great and wonderful and intense love with which he loved us. This kind of love doesn't stand around forever and watch a spiritual outlaw named Satan run over his children, attempt to keep them bound, limited, and restricted so that they can't live the way that God intended for them to live. That's not the God we serve. And that's the reason he, he made the decision to send heaven's best, his only son. Real love doesn't stand around and watch his children suffer. I wouldn't do that with my children. I don't do that with my children. Amen. You, 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 you may have an issue with them, but they're my children. <laughs> 
You may not love them like I do, but nothing will ever change my love. Not only that, I will spend the rest of my life proving my love for them. And my love language is gifts. <laughs> Amen. Now, a lot of people, it's just words, you know, and that's fine. Praise God. I tell them I love them. I tell my wife I love her. But I also do it with gifts. Hallelujah. God so loved, he gave. I've been hanging around God so long, I'm acting just like him. I so love, I give. Hallelujah. That's, that's one of the ways I express my love. Carolyn was telling Richard Lindsay Roberts uh, this weekend while they were here in this conference we had that uh, many times when we go on vacation, uh, I kind of sneak around and, and uh, I watch Carolyn when she's at the mall, you know, and I just kind of, she thinks I'm in the men's section, but I'm hiding. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and sometimes, I, I, a lot of times I am in the men's section, but I'm hiding to watch something that gets her attention. If I see her express in any way some kind of attraction to it, then I make a mental note of that. And as soon as she leaves that area, I go buy it. And then we'll come back to the hotel, and she don't know I bought it. And I'll hide it under her pillow. Or I'll hide it in the closet. Or sometimes I wait until we start flying back, and I've got it in my suitcase. And I've got it overhead. And uh, while she's doing something else, I'll reach up to get my briefcase out of the overhead. And she'll think I'm getting something out to read or something. And I'll just pull that out and lay it in her seat. And she comes back and says, what's this? I love doing stuff like that. Amen. She's the object of my love. We've been married 51 years. Hallelujah. Amen. And she's still the object of my love. And you're the object of God's love. And he didn't stop giving when he sent Jesus to the cross. That's probably the first time we were aware that God's love language is giving. (laughs) But he's still a giver. In fact, you could never outgive him. Can you say amen? So this is what redemption is all about. God showing his great, wonderful, and intense love. So I've learned to to do that with my own children. I would do anything in my power to get my children free from someone who intended to hurt them or harm them. I'd do anything in my power. In fact, I might forget that I'm a preacher. Amen. You've never seen the Jerry Savelle that used to live in this body. <laughs> he was little. He's mad. <laughs> uh, I didn't take anything off of anybody. I don't care how big they were. My daddy taught me, get a two before son. <laughs> Bring them down to your level. Praise God. <laughs> so I don't live like that anymore. But if someone was endeavoring to harm or hurt one of my children, they would see a side of Jerry Seville they'd never seen before. I'll do everything I possibly can to hurt them. Now, I'll pray for their healing later. <laughs> my, my, dad, my dad was a wonderful man. I love my dad. 
He was my best friend from a kid all the way up throughout my life. And one time we had, a, uh, we were in a service, and the entire back, like you've got a wall in this one, the entire back was all glass. And you could see out in the parking lot from the pulpit. And my dad always liked to kind of sit in the back. And sometimes he'd just stand and fold his arm and just kind of, you know, view the audience. And I was preaching one morning, and this guy got some mad at me. He got up and said something ugly to me and made an ugly gesture and walked out. And I'm, I'm, I'm watching all this. People heard it and they saw it. But I can still see him going out to the parking lot. What he didn't know was my dad was following him. And I'm watching. I'm still trying to preach. And I'm watching. You know. And I saw my dad grab him by the collar of his shirt just right here. And pick him up and set him on the hood of the car. And then I saw my dad with his finger pointed in his face. And in a little and I'm thinking, oh my God, he's going to, what is he going to do? And then I saw my dad take him off the hood of the car, put his arm around him and walk him back in the service and sat down with him. And he never, never took his arm off of that guy's shoulder. That guy just smiling, boy, amen, hallelujah. Boy, he liked everything I said now. As soon as the service was over, I called my dad up there, and he still had his arm around this man. And my dad said, son, I want you to meet my new friend. I said, dad, I saw what you did. What did you say to that man? He said, if you ever talk that way about my son again, if you ever make that ugly gesture toward my son again, I'll whip you all over this parking lot, and then I'll drag you in there and let my son pray for your healing. You understand for me? You understand me? I said, dad, we can't build a church like that. We can't, we can't threaten to whip everybody that don't like me. Then I thought, I'm going to make him head usher. Praise God. <laughs> Train them all, Dad. Train them all. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. My dad was a, a strong man. You know, he used to tell me when I was a kid, anybody remember that arm and hammer soda box? Yeah. That guy, you know, with his flexing like this on the front of it. My dad convinced me when I was a kid that he posed for that picture. <laughs> if, if I did something ugly, you know, or I was, I was, you know, hateful to my mother or something like that, he'd just come in there and say, son, you see this? You don't want any of this. I said, no, I don't want any of that. I apologize. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Well, you know, I'm not as big as my daddy, but uh, I got his spirit, I think. You don't mess with my children. You don't mess with my children. Amen. And God uh, don't want you messing with his kids either. Not you necessarily, but the devil. So this kind of love that he's talking about, he's not going to just stand around and watch his people suffer and not do anything about it. So that's exactly why Jesus went to the cross. He was willing to shed his own blood, pay the price in order that we might be free from this tyrant named Satan. And Jesus didn't fail in his mission. Can you say amen? Amen. John chapter 15 and verse 13 says, greater love hath this than no man. Greater love hath no man than this, rather, that a man be willing to lay down his life for another. 
And that's what Jesus did. Doesn't that sound like someone who's deeply committed for our well-being? It was never his will for us to live in bondage. It was never his will for us to be controlled by sin or fear or sickness or disease or poverty or lack or want. His will was and still is for us to live like David described in Psalm 23. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Amen. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What did we learn about goodness? It's one of the manifestations of the glory of God. These are days of glory, folks. I said, these are days of glory. Days of the manifested goodness of God like we have never experienced before. Amen. And how often should we be experiencing it? All the days of our life. Amen. God does something good for me every day. I don't know where you folks have been living, but he does something good for me every day. Amen. Sometimes it's big major stuff and sometimes it's small stuff, but nevertheless, if it's good, it's God. Amen. But he's doing something good for me every day. That's not to say that I don't have adversity. That's not to say that I never come under attack. But somehow, because God is good, he'll make something good out of it. Can you say amen? What Satan means for bad, God will turn it into something good. Hallelujah. So we are to experience the goodness of God in our lives every day in some way. Hallelujah. The uh, Revised Standard Version says, Surely goodness and mercy shall pursue me all the days of my life. The goodness of God is chasing us down. Some of you need to stand still and let it come on you. (laughs) Amen. It's pursuing you all the days of your life. I I like to do this, and I travel all the time, as you well know. But everywhere I go, I don't care where it is, Italy, Sicily, uh, Canada, wherever it is. When I get off that airplane, I say, blessings, if you're looking for me, I'm in Canada now. Come on me. Overtake me. Hallelujah. Amen. Vic here is about ready to go to Tanzania tomorrow. Hallelujah. Going over there and preaching some of our churches and uh, work with some of the Bible schools. Vic, I've been speaking over you in the name of Jesus. That every day that you're in Tanzania, you're going to experience something good. Amen. Amen. Something good is going to happen to you. Amen. Hallelujah. Stretch your hands out toward Vic and say something good is going to happen to you. Hallelujah. Praise God. And I might add, he said, I receive it. And that's important. Receive it. Praise God. Receive it by faith. So get up every day thinking, no matter what you're going through, goodness is looking for me. Goodness is pursuing me. Hallelujah. Expect it. Amen. In other words, God is doing everything he possibly can to get his goodness into your life. 
We were created to enjoy the goodness of God. Amen. I wasn't created to, to, to experience the wrath of God. I was created to experience the goodness of God. Amen. Throughout the Psalms, David talks about the goodness of God. God is good. He praises him for his goodness. Amen. In fact, David once referred to the goodness of God as a blessing. In Psalm 21, 3, for thou prevenest, the word prevenest here means uh, to go before or to precede. He says, you go before me with the blessing of goodness. Hallelujah. Get up every morning and, and expect God to go before you, wherever you might be going. And he's preparing a trail of goodness for you to follow. Hallelujah. Amen. You, you precede me with your goodness. The New International Version says, you came to greet me with rich blessings. The New Living Translation says, you welcomed me with success and prosperity. Amen. So apparently success and prosperity are characteristics of the goodness of God. Get that deep down into your spirit that God's goodness is a blessing. And that he wants you to enjoy it every day of your life. Can you say amen? amen. Lift your hands right now and just thank him for his goodness. <clears throat> amen. So once again, apparently the blessing of goodness includes prosperity and success. The Bible tells us in, uh, in Exodus chapter 18 verse 9. Talking about Jethro the father-in-law, father-in-law of Moses, it says that Jethro rejoiced for all the goodness which the Lord had done for Israel. I don't think God's people are rejoicing enough. Let's try over here. I don't think God's people are rejoicing enough. <clears throat> you know, it, it, it's almost like um, we, we observed one time our grandchildren. At Christmas time. And, and you know, they'd have so many gifts from, from their mom, their dad, their, their, their aunt, their uncle, Carolyn and I. And, and, and we always celebrate uh, Christmas, New Year's Eve night, you know, New Year's Eve. Pardon me? Christmas Eve. What did I say? New Year's Eve. Christmas Eve. Thank you, sir. That's reading these pastor. And... Uh, <laughs> So we always celebrate December 24th. That also happens to be my birthday. Amen. And uh, so we have my birthday first. I want two gifts. <laughs> we have my birthday first. And then we celebrate Christmas. And, and the kids, I mean, you know, we're extravagant. We're, we're, we're El Shaddai, Papa, and Mimi. Were the grandparents who do exceedingly abundantly above all they can ask or think. And so they got a lot of presents. And what we observed was this. They'd open one with excitement, pull it out of there, throw it to the side, go to the next one, pull it, throw it to the side, and, and, and looking for something else to open when it's all open. And there was very little thanks, very little rejoicing. It's the same way with God's people. You know, God gives them a breakthrough. Hallelujah. 
and they forget all about it. And then the next time they need another breakthrough, they stay down and depressed until something happens. God is pouring out gifts, but he'd like to receive some thanks every once in a while. He'd like to hear some rejoicing every once in a while. The Bible says once again that Jethro rejoiced for all the goodness, for all the goodness. How many of you have ever experienced the goodness of God? Have you experienced the goodness of God in some way just in the last few days? Well, rejoice. Rejoice. Now, let me, let me say something here, and I'm not trying to be critical. But if you have a hard time rejoicing in public, it's because you're not practicing it in private. Amen. So I'll give you one more opportunity. If you've experienced any of the goodness of God in some way in the last few days, rejoice. Rejoice. Hallelujah. Rejoice. Amen. Amen. So we should be rejoicing regarding the goodness of God since God wants it to manifest in our lives every day of our lives. Then there should also be some rejoicing every day. Don't, don't, don't get like children with Christmas gifts just because there's so many of them. You just go from one to the other and forget to give thanks, forget to rejoice. We trained our daughters that anytime somebody gives them a gift, write a note, write a thank you note immediately. Don't wait three weeks down the road, you'll forget it. Write, let them know you're thankful for it, that you're thankful that they had you on their mind. The Bible says, the Lord hath been mindful of us. He will bless us. He will bring increase into our lives. Don't you, don't you thank God that he's thinking about you? Isn't that a, isn't that a wonderful thought to get up every day thinking that God has me on his mind and he's dreaming up a new way to bless me. Hallelujah. Be thankful. Be thankful. I think a lot of Christians fail to experience the goodness of God primarily because they don't show enough thankfulness. They don't rejoice enough. It's like spoiled kids. Hmm, touched a nerve there, didn't I? It's like spoiled children. Let's not become spoiled children. David, in one of his Psalms, declared in Psalm 31, 19, Oh, how great is thy goodness, which thou hast laid up for them that fear thee. Laid up. Everybody say, laid up. You know, sometimes, uh, just like I described earlier, where sometimes I, I had gifts that I get for Carolyn. You know, and I, I, I lay them up. I hide them somewhere. And then I like to spring it on her. <laughs> and see the reaction. You know, one time, I'm going to tell on her, one time years ago, back in the PTL Hey, Dave, I used to be a guest on that program from time to time with the Bakers. 
And I had flown to Charlotte because they wanted me to come and do a broadcast with them. And I checked into my hotel, and they told me what time they wanted me to be at the studio. So I went over and did the program. Then they, they said, uh, we'd like to do a, another one tomorrow. Can you stay over? I said, sure. And so I didn't have anything to do that evening, so I asked the hotel uh, management there if there was a mall nearby. And they told me there was, and so I got a taxi, and I went to the mall. So I'm looking for something special for Carolyn. And uh, I'm walking around in this department store, and I, I just walk by the, the robes and, uh, uh, you know, night, what do you call it? Well, I don't want to give the impression it was underwear. Uh, I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't, lingerie. Okay, robes and gowns and stuff like that. I wasn't looking at underwear, okay? And so, so anyway, this, I thought this was a, one of the most beautiful robes I'd ever seen. And it had all this fur on it, feathers. <clears throat> she remembers this story well. A pinois set. A pinois set. What do I know about pinois? Was it a 327 or a 283? I don't know. And so um, anyway, the sales lady was standing there and she said, oh, that's beautiful. I said, well, it does look beautiful. It was, it, it was long and, you know, it looked like something Loretta Young would wear, you know, on her television program. It was flowing and everything. And I said, is this something that you would like? I'm, I'm trying to determine if it's something my wife would like. Is it something you would like? Would you like for your husband to buy this for you? She said, oh, if my husband bought that for me, I'd be so grateful. I can't imagine him buying something that beautiful for me. I said, then I'll take it. So she wrapped it in, in a beautiful box and, you know, beautiful box. So I brought it home. I could hardly wait for Carolyn to open it. I thought she was going to get her 22 and shoot it. I mean, you know, it's, she opened it and all this feathers and all this stuff. She pulled it, she picked it out and, and picked it up, you know, and looked at it and put it back in the box. She wouldn't wear it. She started crying. It it wasn't what she wanted. She wanted a sewing machine. Well, you could have put on that gown and sewed. Now, she, she didn't particularly care for it. But come on, help me out. I went, to, I went to great lengths trying to find you a gift. At least say, thank you, sweetheart, for your endeavor. Don't just put it in a box and put it in the closet and never wear it again. We might still have that thing around there somewhere. You still have it? We still have it. And my children and my grandchildren have all ended up playing in it as their play clothes. As their play clothes. Yeah. I'm still endeavoring to get over this. 
Did I get, thank you, sweetheart? No. That was 1981. Have I heard, thank you, sweetheart, yet? No. Thank you, sweetheart. <laughs> <laughs> you have to pardon yeah. me. I pardon you. I pardon you. Hallelujah. Some folks, it takes a long time to get grateful. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. So once again, getting back to the word of God. And my wife said, thank you. Amen. (laughs) Psalm 31, 19 again. Oh, how great is thy faithfulness which thou hast laid up for them that fear thee. The word fear here means to show reverence and respect towards God. And notice he's got goodness laid up for people who show reverence and respect for God. And that would also mean that there is so much goodness that we have yet to see. It's stored up waiting for us. Eye hath not seen, ear hath not heard. Neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those that love him. Amen. So there's, there's goodness stored up that you and I haven't even seen yet. I feel in my spirit we're going to see a whole lot more of it in 2018. Praise God. Amen. Days of glory. Somebody shout days of glory. That's the manifested goodness, presence, and power of God. Hallelujah. And it's laid up for those who reverence and respect him. So once again, that would imply that we haven't seen all the goodness that God has planned for us. Look at somebody and say, I'm ready for more. I'm ready for more. Hallelujah. 2018, days of glory. The psalmist said that God has done this before. And I believe he's ready to do it again. Psalm 65, 11, thou crownest the year with thy goodness and thy paths drop fatness. You crown the year with your goodness. Hallelujah. One of of the things that as we keep marching toward the appearing of Jesus, we'll look back on 2018 and say, that was the year. I have testimonies of something that God has done in my life every year since 1969. And I have a great memory. (laughs) Satan tried to take that away from me, but he failed, praise God. I I remember the days and places and times when, when manifestations of God's goodness took place in my life. And I will look back on 2018 and say that was the year that he crowned the year with his goodness. And his paths dropped fatness. That word fatness means prosperity and abundance. Hallelujah. God is leaving a path for us in 2018 and it will lead to prosperity and abundance. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Somebody give the Lord a good shout of praise. Amen. 
Now, the New Living Translation says, the path, the pathways overflow with abundance. Is anyone ready for the overflow? Yes. No wonder the psalmist promises, or proclaims rather, in Psalm 107 verse 8, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness. Notice this, this sounds like a plead. It, it's almost uh, begging men. Praise the Lord for his goodness. Praise the Lord for his goodness. Apparently, praising God for his goodness is so important that the psalmist repeats this in verses 15, verses 21, and verse 31. Same phrase. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness. How could the body of Christ see a principle at least four times in one chapter and don't pay any attention to it? Is God trying to get our attention? I I really, truly believe, and I've been more convinced in the last couple of days, that praise and worship are monument to the greatest breakthroughs we've ever seen. Uh, In 1992, I was in Liberty, Texas, and I had a visitation of the Lord. It was the second time that that I had experienced a supernatural visitation. First one was 1981. Carolyn was in the room with me when it happened. But I was in Liberty, Texas, in a little small motel, and I was getting ready to preach for a pastor friend of mine, and I believe this was November 1992. And uh, I'd laid down on the bed there, set my alarm so I could take a one-hour nap before I got ready to go in that service. And the moment I laid my head down, the Lord appeared to me. And he said these words. He said, my people know me as Savior. Some of them know me as baptizer in the Holy Ghost. Some know me as healer. Some know me as deliverer. But most of them don't know me as the God of the breakthrough." He said, if they did, they wouldn't be so quick to give up. And then he said this to me. He said, you go over there and tell those people, and you preach it everywhere you go until I tell you otherwise. You go tell them the God of the breakthrough wants to visit their house. And then he said this, and I'll never forget it. I never forgot that part either, but he said this. Tell them that the depth of of their praise will determine the magnitude of their breakthrough. I'd never heard that phrase before. Never heard anything like that. He said the depth of their praise will determine the magnitude of their breakthrough. So no wonder the psalmist says four times in one psalm, oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness. So perhaps that's what we need to do right now. Just stop and praise God for his goodness. Can you do that? Just lift up your hands and praise God for his goodness. That doesn't sound like a a whole lot of praise going on to me. Praise God for his goodness. Hallelujah. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness. I'm pleading with you just like the psalmist did. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Hallelujah. 
Amen. Be seated if you will. Did you know that praise and thanksgiving is one of the greatest expressions of faith? When you can praise God before it manifests, that's great faith. Amen. We should be praising Him the moment we experience the manifestation of His goodness. But also we should be praising Him in anticipation of His goodness. A few moments ago I asked the question, anybody experienced the goodness of God? In the last few days, the number of hands were lifted. How many of you in here are presently anticipating the goodness of God? Well, praise Him, hallelujah. Praise Him in anticipation for the goodness of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. David said in Psalm 145, verse 7, They shall abundantly utter the memory of thy goodness. They shall abundantly utter the memory of thy goodness. Like I said earlier, so many people forget so quickly when God manifests his goodness. People believing for a financial miracle, God does it. And they may thank him the moment it happened, but they forget. Keeping in your memory manifestations of the goodness of God is vital to seeing it again. The reason David was able to slay Goliath is before he went out to battle, he remembered that this same God had delivered him from the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be no different than them. See, he kept in his memory the goodness of God. He brought it up from time to time. He writes about it. He sings about it. He makes songs about it. When's the last time you wrote a song about the goodness of God? When's the last time you allowed a new song to come out of your spirit about the goodness of God? I do that a lot in my room. And in and, and my room, all alone, I sing as good as Cassie. I got up doing it this morning, singing with her on her CD. Praising God for His goodness. Praising God for all the times that He's come through for me. Dear Lord, in 40, almost 49 years, I, I, I couldn't... I couldn't tell you in a month of services all that God has done for me. Hallelujah. But the least I could do is attempt to express my thanks for it. Can you say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. This is a key to experiencing days of greater glory. Can you say amen? amen? Keep God's goodness in your memory. Look at your neighbor and say, don't forget the goodness of God. Now, David also said in Psalm 27, 13, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Notice, in a great trial, 
He says that I would have fainted if I had not believed that I would see the goodness of God. In other words, he wouldn't have had the strength, the fortitude, the ability to keep standing in faith if he hadn't believed that he's going to see the goodness of God just like he'd seen in days past. Amen. That's important. So once again, we see that, that the greatest expression of faith is praise and thanksgiving in anticipation of what you believe God's going to do. Anybody can praise him after it happens. It takes great faith to praise him while you're waiting for it to happen. And great faith to praise him when it looks like it'll never happen. And great faith to praise him when the devil's screaming at you and it'll never happen. Well, just get up, jump out of bed, dance a jig before the Lord and say, just hide and watch devil in the name of Jesus. He's never failed me. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Amen. Now, notice in Psalm 27 where he said, I would have fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord. What was he doing in the meantime while he's believing to see the goodness of the Lord? Verse 6. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy. I will sing. Yea, I will sing praises to the Lord. What was he doing while he's waiting to see this goodness manifest? He was praising God before it happened. He was singing unto the Lord and praising God. I'm telling you, folks, if you want days of greater glory in 2018, you need to spend more time praising God and rejoicing and thanking Him and what He's already done and what He's about to do. Hallelujah. Practice praise. Hallelujah. Amen. Psalm 22 verse 3 says that he inhabits the praises of his people. He inhabits the praises of his people. Inhabit means that he dwells in and he abides in our praise. In other words, he comes down and settles in with us right in the midst of praise. And you know what happens when God shows up? (laughs) The enemy is stilled. The enemy is stopped. Every assignment of the devil against you is broken. Wouldn't that be a good reason to spend more time in praise and worship? Hallelujah. Amen. God shows up in the midst of our praise. And where he is, his glory is. And where the glory is, his goodness is. He's like American Express. He never leaves home without it. (laughs) Hallelujah. His goodness always shows up where he is celebrated. Ooh, I like that. His goodness always shows up where he is celebrated. Look to your neighbor and tell him, his goodness always shows up where he is celebrated. Psalm 67, verse 5 through 7. Let the people praise thee, O Lord. Let all the people praise thee. I want you to go to that psalm. I want you to see this. Some very important principles here. Psalm 67. And beginning in verse 5. 
Let the people praise thee, O God. Let all the people praise thee. Then. Next word's then. Everybody say then. Then. You know what then means? If the people will praise him, they'll get a reaction from God. If the people will praise him, then something happens. Talking about the power of praise. Then means for this reason. Soon afterwards, something will take place. Hallelujah. Let the people praise you, O Lord, and then something will take place. And notice what he says will take place here. He says, then shall the earth yield her increase. And, in, and God, even our own God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. And all the ends of the earth shall fear him. Notice the blessing came after the praise. The increase came after the praise. The glory came after the praise. The goodness came after the praise. Are you getting it this morning? No wonder most of God's people are not experiencing more of the goodness of God in their life. It's not God holding out. They're not participating. We do our part and God never fails to do his part. Hallelujah. Look at somebody and say, if you'll just praise him, then you'll experience increase. Then you'll experience goodness. Then you experience blessing. Well, why don't you just go ahead and praise him right now? Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. And, and in this particular verse, the word bless means to make happy, to make successful, to prosper, and to cause good things to come into your life. Hallelujah. If we'll just praise him, he'll cause good things to come into our life. You want to know why I'm so blessed? I'm a praiser. Hallelujah. I give thanks to my God. I attribute every success in my life to the God I serve. Hallelujah. Without him, I'm nothing. Without him, I can't do anything. Hallelujah. I've got the, I've got Jehovah. I've got El Shaddai. Hallelujah. He's on my side. Glory to God. Glory to God. Somebody shout a little bit. Praise God. This is one of the greatest desires of our father is to bring happiness, success, and prosperity and, and causing good things to come into our life. Third John 2. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospers. So once again, perhaps one of the major reasons why that most Christians are not enjoying any more of the goodness of God than they are. They don't thank him enough. They don't praise him enough. They don't rejoice in him enough. They don't express gratefulness enough. Can you say amen? Amen. Now, before I close today, I want to remind you again that we have learned that the glory of God is the manifested presence of God, the manifested goodness of God, and the manifested power of God. Now, we'll keep talking about those things as 
time goes by. We've also learned that praise will not only bring the presence of God on the scene, but it also brings the goodness of God as well. However, it doesn't stop there. Praise will also bring the power of God at work in your life. When His power comes, then things change, even things that seem impossible. A great example of this is found in Acts chapter 16 with Paul and Silas having been thrown in prison. And it says in verse 25 and 26, And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises. And did you notice the choir wasn't with them? And the choir director wasn't saying, Now let's all praise God. They did it on their own. How often do you do it on your own? The only time you praise God is when you come to church and Cassie stands up and begins to lead the praise and worship. That's kind of like the question, how long has it been since you've had a good bowl of wolf brand chili? (laughs) Well, that's too long. (laughs) Do you not watch the commercials? I don't watch TV. I watch the commercials. (laughs) If you you only wait to praise God... (laughs) If you only wait to praise God when somebody leads you, you wait too long. Can you say amen? amen? And you remember the story in Acts. It says the prisoners heard them. When's the last time somebody heard you praise God? Well, I have a praise in my heart, but it doesn't come out of my mouth. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you've got a praise in your heart, you're not having a problem with it coming out. You're having a problem shutting up. Amen. Amen. And the prisoners heard them. And suddenly, how many of you would like some suddenlies in your life? And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bands were loosed. Notice, praise brought the presence of the power of God. And it changed what seemed to be impossible. It changed their circumstances. And it will change your circumstances. How many of you want to see more of the glory of God in your life in 2018? How many of you want this word coming to pass in your life? Hallelujah. Then I encourage you to spend more time praising God. Praise not only brings the presence of God, the goodness of God, but it will bring the power of God and it also disarms the adversary. Amen. Several times it's recorded in the Old Testament that God would have the singers and the praisers to come up to the front lines when enemy forces were about to attack and God's people were totally outnumbered. But what did God say? Bring those people who don't have any better sense than to praise me anyway. Bring all them praisers up front. Bring them singers up front. And they go to praising God and it disarmed their enemy. It, con- it confounded the enemy. Satan don't know what to do with you when you're praising God and he thinks he's got you. He don't know what to do when you praise God and, and you're in the worst trial you've ever experienced. Praise him anyhow. Praise him anyway. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. It disarms the adversary. 
So if you truly want 2018 to be a year in which you experience days of glory, then I strongly suggest, again, spend more time praising your God. Spend more time rejoicing in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord, Paul said. And again, I say rejoice. Can you say amen? Now, I'm going to close it with this. Now, I'm going to close it with two other things. Praise brought the walls down in Jericho. And it will bring down every wall in your life. And then this is, this is the thing I was about to say. If you have trouble engaging in praise, then my suggestion is, and what I've done all these years, get some good CDs with praise and worship. You know what that does? I, I go, when I go travel, when I, and I travel all the time, before I ever unpack my suit, my toothbrush, any of that, the first thing I unpack is either my CD player or my iPod with my praise and worship. And I have this little external speaker where I can get the volume up a little bit. I set that up on the desk in my room and I turn the praise and worship on. I saturate the atmosphere. Because, see, I don't know who stayed in those rooms before I got there. I don't know what they were doing. I don't want those spirits they brought in with them hovering over me and hovering in that room and and trying to affect me in my study time and my preparation time. So praise and worship stops and steals the enemy. So that's the first thing I do. Now, this morning, because of, um, I was just handed this weekend Cassie's new CD. And I'm telling you, Cassie, the presence of God is on that. It brought the presence of God into my room this morning. That, that song, I Call You Father. See, I'm not bringing music in for entertainment. A lot of Christian songs are not praise and worship. They're just entertainment written by Christians. But the praise and the worship, it will magnify God. It will uplift the Lord Jesus Christ. He gets all the glory. You don't walk away thinking, wasn't that a good guitarist? Wasn't that guy, you know, on those drums outstanding? Hey, that was all part of it. But you walk away saying, whew, the Lord is good. My, my, my. I was, I was singing with Cassie for the last two hours before I came to this service in my study, singing those songs on that album. And when they'd finish, I'd turn it over and do it again. And, and just keep playing, keep playing it, keep playing it, keep playing. You need more songs. There's only three on there. But those three, <laughs> they, will, they will create the atmosphere. And, and what I was... What I was going to say was this. Listening to praise and worship. I'm talking about really praise, real praise and worship. is like jump starting a battery. See, you could go into your room and you don't feel like praising God. You've been through everything you can imagine. And dear God, how's any of this going to change? And what in the world am I going to do? Your battery's down. 
And, and the two things that will jumpstart your battery spiritually, number one is praying in the Holy Ghost, and number two, praise and worship. And, and if you're down in your spirit and you're, and you're uh, uh, a little bit concerned about whether this is going to turn out well or not, and you don't know what you're going to do, take that praise and worship tape, and it's like plugging it into your heart. It's like connecting it to your heart like a jumper cable. And you just walk around in that room and you, you lift your hands and in a little while, I promise you, you will not be able to stop praising God. It'll kick in. It'll kick that battery in and the next thing you know, you're singing right along with them. You're praising right along with them. And when the record stops, the CD stops, you just keep right on, praise God. In fact, a lot of times, new songs will come out of your spirit that, that, that you'd never heard before. Nobody else has heard before. Hallelujah. Amen. I, I heard this come out of my spirit one day. Pass it on, pass it on. God's love is good. Uh, God's love is free to everyone. Pass it on, pass it on. God's love is free to everyone. He died to set us free. He lives to whatever the other words were. <laughs> he lives for you and me. Pass it on, pass it on. God's love is free to everyone. That came out of my spirit. And I just started singing it. I just started singing it around the room. And I sang it over and over and over. And one night, Russ Taft was with me. And he did a song on it. He, 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 he made a song out of it. And I'm still waiting for the royalties. Hallelujah. <laughs> New songs come out of your spirit. Amen. New songs coming out of your spirit. Jump, start your battery. Don't walk around in sadness. Don't walk around without any joy. Don't walk around, you know, all sad and, and grief and, and, and oppressed. No. God has given you the tools that will cause his presence, his power, and his goodness to show up in your life. And what did David say? All the days of my life. Every day of your life. Can you say amen? amen. I shouldn't have to say this, but I'll go ahead and kind of help jumpstart you. Jump to your feet and begin to praise God. Yeah. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Come on, give the Lord a good shout of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. 